Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to Something of a Landmark. This is episode 150 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. The sun has disappeared, it actually snowed again yesterday, and tomorrow I'm off to the dentist. Plenty of reasons then to feel nervous. Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast and here we are, something around three years into the podcast project, episode 150. I'm so pleased to be able to say we've made it this far. My particular thanks to everyone listening and the very lovely comments that have been made over the years about the podcast. I'm not entirely sure what I had in mind all that time ago when I first got started with the podcast. Just another way I could connect with like-minded beekeepers, really, and offer up some help and advice about the hobby, business, or pastime that we all love. The main thrust of today's chat is, of course, the weather. But before we get stuck into the implications of what this changing conditions is going to do for our bees, I wanted to touch on last week's topic again, that of aggressive and grumpy bees, and offer a few suggestions to help manage those nasty bees and make life a little easier this season in turn. Firstly, if you've not listened to episode 149, I would give it a shot. It will help put what I'm about to say into some kind of context, hopefully. Next, you really have to be honest with yourself. Do you truly believe that you have aggressive bees or could it be that your handling of them is causing the problem? Both situations can be managed, so don't despair. If you honestly think it is possibly something you're doing, perhaps inexperience in handling your bees or maybe you recognise that you are a little heavy-handed when you inspect, well, that's good news. It really won't take long for you to learn the skills to bring the colony back under control and life can calm down and you can start to enjoy your beekeeping again. Do take a look at my beginner beekeeping videos where I demonstrate how to inspect a colony and how to use the hive tool and smoker correctly or certainly the way I feel it should be used correctly. Everybody has their own way but if you can just take a little bit more care then your bees will react favourably to you. Once you have the basics in place, the bees almost pick up on your confidence and start to behave themselves. It's not always the case, of course. If you have a nasty colony of bees, no amount of care when inspecting is going to keep them in check and you may well have to take firmer action. So when do you decide enough is enough? Well, personally, I have a few markers that I put down that lead me to the fact that action might be required. You may already be at the bottom of my list, so do bear with me. But here are a few things that I look out for. Firstly, bees that are attempting to sting when I inspect. Doesn't have to be many, but if they come straight out and try gripping onto my cuffs to lever their sting into my wrist, then I'm going to question what's going on. This can lead on to more and more bees turning overly defensive, and before you know it, you have a colony-wide problem. 
maybe the colony is particularly flighty when you inspect. By this, what I mean is when you remove the roof and the crime board, the bees instantly fly up and generally buzz around you rather than being happy to cling to the comb on the frames as you inspect them. There's always going to be a little disturbance and bees will fly up when you open up a colony, but you ideally want them to find their way back down to the brood box and settle down not to come out in force and fill the air around the hive. It just makes for a difficult inspection and can lead on to the gradual decline in management of the colony and then it potentially just gets worse from that position onwards. Another trait to look out for is what I would call welcoming bees. These are the bees that you see as you arrive at the apiary and they set out to say hello to you even before you've got your smoker lit. It's not nice and it's usually a signal of how the inspection is going to go. The opposite to this is bees that follow you after the inspection, usually accompanied by bumping and attempting to sting. They've had all they want from you for the day and they're just seeing you off the premises. I've had bees follow me for hundreds of yards, again bumping and pushing, jostling you and letting you know that you're not welcome. I always find them most frustrating after a long day of inspecting bees. It's hot, you're tired and you get to an apiary where you just know you're in for a torrid time. The bees welcome you, you work through your inspections, maybe picking up a few stings along the way and when you're finally done all you want to do is to take off your bee suit and grab a cold drink but you can't because the bees won't leave you alone. You end up climbing into your truck which of course you've not been able to park in the shade so it's red hot and you're having to try to encourage angry bees out of the window or the open door and it's just not pleasant. Worse still are reports from your neighbours about them being stung by your bees. They must be your bees of course because well your neighbours know that you keep bees so it must be your bees right? Well let's be honest here if you have an aggressive colony of bees the chances are they are your bees that are causing the problem and you really do need to deal with them promptly and this falls into the same category as members of the public being stung as they walk along any footpath that might be beside your apiary. Whatever the cause you really need to get those bees moved as soon as possible and I understand that it's not always that easy but remember we do have a duty of care for all non-beekeepers out there and the last thing you want is a bad reputation as someone who can't manage their bees or as someone who only has angry bees. So if you find yourself dealing with any of these situations the best option to start with is to get them moved away from anyone who is being stung or potentially could be stung. If they're in your back garden it can be a little tricky but you need to try to find an out apiary. Somewhere you can get them moved to prior to dealing with them. If you don't have an out apiary perhaps you could ask the local association if someone there has an out apiary that you can move them to while you're sorting them. Remember though you do need to be honest with your fellow beekeepers don't go telling them that you need to move your bees without explaining the reason why. If you're lucky, they may even offer to come over and help you resolve the problem. Personally, I always look to requeen colonies such as these, ideally from my own stock of queens. And one way that you can manage this is to have a nucleus colony set up for every 
three to five colonies that you have in an apiary. So if maybe you have one to three beehives, you could have just one nuke set up to service those hives. If you have this, you can simply use the queen from the nuke to replace the queen in the disruptive colony. If you don't have a queen available, you could consider buying one in, but do get it from a reputable source. Or maybe you've got a queen rearing program at your local association and you can buy a queen from the association. The key is to make the colony hopelessly queenless. That always seems to work best for me. And once you have them in that state, they'll certainly be willing to accept a new queen. I like to introduce the new queen in a secure cage where she can't get out and the workers can't get in at her. A couple of days in this state, so what I mean for instance is I use the yellow queen cages and they have a little tab on the bottom that you break off. I leave that little tab in place and after a couple of days the workers will likely as not start taking care of her by feeding through the cage and then you can go about the process of introducing her. Another option might be to add a frame of eggs from a colony where you know the traits are good. A colony, for instance, that's from Karma stock. But remember, F2 and F3 aggression could suddenly appear, so choose wisely. This route will take some time, several weeks in fact, another reason for moving the colony to an isolation apiary away from others. Requeening can take many forms. You might also introduce a sealed queen cell, or you might consider uniting the colony with another karma colony and thus requeen in that way. If I'm uniting colonies, I always like to put the queen right colony on top. My reasoning being it keeps her away from the traffic of bees moving down to the floor and out of the entrance. And any queenless colony has the opportunity of uniting with the colony above, but also heading out on the various foraging and cleansing flights that they need to do without having to move through the new queen right colony. Whatever path you choose, remember patience is the key here. It will take several weeks for everything to settle down. And if you're starting from scratch in producing a new queen, the entire process is going to take maybe in excess of five or six weeks. And then she's got to start laying and her offspring need to show their true colours as far as their temperament and behaviour is concerned. We all get colonies like this at times, but knowing how to deal with them and putting the situation right as soon as you can will make inspecting easier for you and keep you in the neighbour's good books. Changing the subject to this week's weather, we've had a considerable change in conditions this last week and it puts us right in the middle of the anticipated late winter cold spell that always seems to hit. I say late winter, but we're actually into March and early spring. Now is the time I guess I feel most worried about my colonies. Have I done enough to give them the resources to see them through the next couple of weeks and into the warmer weather and the good foraging conditions that will follow? I've been seeing a lot of willow starting to bud up. No flowers yet, but the buds are swelling and it won't be long. The balance now is making sure that the colonies have enough fondant and pollen substitute so that they can continue to feed themselves and the young larvae as the brood nests grow and develop, but yet it's so cold that they can't get out to forage. If you've started feeding, be it fondant, pollen substitute or both, 
now is the time to make sure that you don't leave them short and see their hard work, and yours for that matter, count for nothing as they run out of food stores and starve. We're also at a critical point in colony development. Overwintered colonies will have a high proportion of winter bees right now. These will be dwindling, and as new season bees start to come through, the balance of brood nest size and adult bees, able to manage it and maintain the necessary brood nest temperatures, reaches a critical level. We find some colonies will now have larger brood nests and adult workers will struggle to keep them covered and warm. It's another challenge and one made worse by well-meaning beekeepers who, desperate to see their queen, spend way too much time with the brood box open causing the temperatures to plummet and brood to chill and die. Hold off on the inspection still. Just be patient. As I said, We had snow here in Norwich, and daytime temperatures are still in the single figures. Way too chilly for inspecting honeybee colonies, I would suggest. But just to clear up this point, I am referring, of course, to beginner beekeepers here. I accept that, as with most things in beekeeping, there are always going to be exceptions. Experienced old hands, commercial bee farmers and the like will know best when they can get into their colonies safely and will have very good reasons for doing so. What I'm specifically trying to do is help the beginner beekeeper get through to the spring and not suffer the horror of losing a colony so close to the new season. If you're a week or two late in getting your smoker out, it really won't make a massive difference. But if you go in too early and spend too much time in the hive, You can delay your colony by weeks and sometimes months, watching them as they struggle to grow and develop into the spring and losing any hopes of a strong, healthy colony for the summer. That's not to say you can't lift the roof and have a quick look to see what's happening. If you've put fondant or pollen substitute onto your colonies, you'll want to check to see how they're faring. Have they taken it all? Do they need a top-up? I would certainly advocate having a quick look under the roof to check on this type of question. But no full-blown inspections are required here and the colonies won't be disturbed. Carefully lift the roof and look at the pack of fondant or pollen substitute. You can usually see the bees moving around inside the container or pack and you'll get a good idea quite quickly if you need to give them more. When I add additional fondant or pollen substitute, I always make sure that the bees have a way of getting back into the hive from the old pack or container. It can simply be propping the new pack up against the old one or leaving a little gap at the edge so that the bees can move back down. But however you deal with it, just try to avoid trapping bees in the old packaging so they have no way of returning to the warmth and protection of their colony and cluster. You don't want an empty fondant pack full of dead bees the next time you check on them. If you do still need fondant and pollen substitute, head over to my website for the full range of Zucan Apipasta products, and I hope your bees are building nicely and ready for the start of the new season. It really won't be too much longer, and then we can all get busy with our bees. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening. Links to all the relevant information will be in the podcast notes, but until next week, I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was Beekeeping Short and Sweet. (laughs) 